I became fascinated with looking at things where they fall in a, for lack of a better word, on a timeline. That's serious stuff that we just talked about. I'm trying to be comic relief, so I'm going to move away from it right now. We need markers to remember what God has done in our lives. Uh, here we go. Here we go. I'm glad I'm around somebody to make fun of. <laughs> because what you see when you begin to look at history is that we're all connected. It's good stuff. This is History Through the Eyes of Faith podcast. Featuring Angie Ferris. I'm your host, Frank Rains Jr., along with producer Wes. Thanks for joining us. Hey, everybody. Episode 46, History Through the Eyes of Faith. I'm glad you're here. This is your host, Frank Rains Jr., and I hope that the intro music is still captivating enough. You know, I listen to a lot of different podcasts, and sometimes there's no music, sometimes the music is different, and I hope maybe that you're not completely, maybe you're, maybe you fast forward through it. I don't know. It's fine. Anyway, Frank Range Jr. here along with our producer. His name is Producer Wes or Wes the Sketch. And then, you know, we wouldn't have this podcast if it weren't for me and Wes. So you see how I took a turn and there was noise coming. No, it's from the, the brilliant study and, and, and discoveries and passion of Angie Ferris. Say hello to everyone, Angie. Hello, everyone. So oh. glad to be here. No, you didn't do it. I said, say hello to everyone, Angie. Hello to everyone, Angie. Thank I just you. do as I'm told. Well, I love it when you do that, and I'm trying to mix it up a little bit. Okay, sorry. So glad you're here. 46. Um, we, are, uh, we, we just learned a little bit in episode 45, I did, about Jerusalem and how... Constantine said, you know what, let's make that a holy place, because it kind of been forgotten about, didn't know about that. But before we get into 46, what we're going to talk about, in the previous episode, did I, was were we on the air? No, I don't think we were on the air when I mentioned that we were playing a game recently. No, no, you said you wanted to talk about that, yes. But we were on, we were on the we air. We were not saw, on the air. It wasn't, you didn't hear about it, but when we were talking earlier there's a game, we were playing a game in the house, a game in the house. We were playing a game. A group of us were playing a game like people do. I was not in that group. No. And I'll be honest with you, I'm not really a game person. Mm -mm. I like I like playing cards or I like like playing games, guessing games and things. But the more, organi the more organized it needs to be to play a game, I, I, don't, I don't like that. If like charades or, or I like that. I like you know uh, what was the one that we well, Pictionary, it's Pictionary yeah. where you know yeah Pictionary when you draw. It's like draw. A, it's like drawing charades. Yeah, I like those games. I like charades, um, but thinking like murder games, yeah. life monopoly. We got a game night coming up, and we're going to be playing Bunko. I love playing. Bunko. I think I could play Bunko. It's just fun. Um. Anyway, we're playing this game. And so you the, don't like the strategery. I don't like when it feels like I'm doing math, you know, oh, yeah. it's like, Hey everybody, come on over. We're going to have some math problem night <laughs> and we're going to sit around and do math problems. I don't, you know, but this game was kind of like a card game. I think that's called mafia or something Yeah, mm -hmm. where you close your eyes and then the people that are part of the mafia open their eyes. Yeah. And what was the name of it? This was called midnight werewolf. Oh, and so at, at night it's a small village. And at night, the werewolves come out, 
and then in the daytime you had to figure out who the well were well werewolves were. <laughs> werewolves were. That's hard to say. Uh, you had to figure out who the werewolves were. Um, and so there's villagers. There's a seer, which is somebody like that sees the future. Mm-hmm. There's a um, a robber. There's a uh, trouble, and you have a card maker. like you're a character. Yeah, at the beginning, and then you put the cards down. And then everybody closes their eyes and then it'll say, and you have, have a little app on your phone and it'll say, werewolves, open your eyes, look <laughs> oh, around. I kind of want to play. And then now, werewolves, close your eyes. Seer, open your eyes. You may move two cards. Close your eyes. Okay. So if you're a villager, you don't ever wake up. Okay. <laughs> Just sit there. I sit there with your eyes closed. So what Frank did. On like the third time Were I got you a the, villager? For the third time in a row. So like, do you get to play at the game? Yeah, or you, you just... get to play the next step. Because if cards are moved around, nobody really knows who they are on in the morning. Okay. Because cards may have been moved. Okay, gotcha. So you're trying to, you're trying to make sure the werewolves are killed. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So I decided, I need to, when your eyes are closed, it's when stuff's happening. Right? So you decided you needed to cheat. So I decided that, when I know someone's eyes, someone's uh, eyes are open right now. Right. The werewolves on their turn, their eyes are open. The seers, the troublemakers, their eyes are open. So if I can do things <laughs> to make them laugh, then I know who they are. <laughs> so, so to say, werewolves, open your eyes. And then I would like do gestures. And at one point I pulled a picture up on my phone and showed it. While my eyes were closed. <laughs> so if anyone's looking at me, I'm going to hear some laughing. And that it worked. Was, that was it was so fun. unfair. <laughs> it was fun. There's a lot of ways to come up with. I, I had more fun at the game. Mm. Um, so I just want to share that. There's a lot That's of ways. Funny. Like we were, we were playing a game a couple of years ago called uh, Code Names. Oh, I love that game. Okay. So you know that one. I do. Well, where you have the cards out in front of you and yeah, you got to tell the other person. Yeah, we would be good at that did game. Did I tell you the story, though, when we were playing it? <laughs> I don't know if you did or not. Tad, would, Tad was on my team, okay? Uh, oh, that's not good. So his son is on is on, and Wes are on the same team. So his son's giving Wes clues, okay? And Tad is just commenting in what he's saying. Oh, you have told me this. What he's saying, I can tell that he's giving me clues. Yeah. By going, man, that was really good pick. That's scary. That is scary. And I would look down and I'd see that Ghost was one of the cards. That's so wrong. <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm going, okay, That's, I got one. That is so wrong. And so then, then he'd just go purple for six and you'd go Ghost, Cal, <laughs> Harry, Fred. I mean, just name it all off. The thing. And you'd go, hey, that was a good one. That, that fits. That fits. And I'd look down and I'd go, okay, glow. <laughs> And That's so, so wrong. So then it would come oh. my turn. I'm like, well, I'm going to have to miss this one on purpose because I know all of them at this point. <laughs> <laughs> no, you should totally do it. Just take them out. Yeah. So that gets a little, this, if you want to play that game again, now you have, then we got to a point where they were like, you can't say anything. <laughs> the other team can't say anything. We're like, all right. And then we did again. Um, so. Oh, wow. I, have, I have one more thing that I want to talk about before we get into 46, unless you have something. We do have some mystery bags here in the studio. Two little small mystery bags. They're red. 
they're small bags, like smaller than a lunch bag, like a old school paper lunch bag. They're red with a ribbon with they're confetti. Kind of tiny. They're very nice. Very well done. Um, we'll get to those maybe. I don't know. I don't want to get to it right now. Um, I have something else I want to ask that's a little bit more serious uh-huh. before we get to 46, unless you have some kind of, I'd rather give you an opportunity to to make some commentary or anecdotal. All right. So, uh, well, you know, you were asking like, what's been going on in our life back when we were doing 45 and we've had serious stuff, you know? And so I've, I don't want to, it's been kind of heavy on a couple of different levels, things going on in the world and some things going on closer to home. And so I was like, well, but Yesterday, we started putting the details in place, and we are heading out on another van camping trip. Hmm. Yeah. We're leaving in a few days. And how far are you going? Well, we're not going. We're just camping across the south. We're not, like, going all the way. We're going to the Atlantic Ocean. The Atlanta Ocean? Atlantic Ocean. Atlantic Ocean. Atlantic Ocean. (laughs) Which we're going me think to of the, what could be we're the going Atlanta to the Ocean. um over to Smoky Mountains, and okay. then going down across South Carolina, and uh, down the east coast of Florida. If okay. they're playing baseball, we're going to pick up a spring training game. That's not looking real promising, mm. um, right now. I'm taking a little trip next weekend. Yeah. So anyway, we're going to get the generator and the blender back out pack that car mm. back up i think we tim and i haven't talked about it but i'm thinking maybe we should take kevin because he's never well, been you've got east. to take kevin yeah. chesney he's never been east and so that'll be fun and yeah. y'all can go back and listen to the kevin chesney episode to figure out who that is but we, anyway we got our camping spots lined up and we're ready so, so will that see. be like before we do episode uh 47 or 8 you'll have done this Bef- trip yeah before 48 for sure yeah Wow. Well, um, so here's my serious question. Okay. And we may have covered this several times in the previous episodes, but it just kind of made me want to ask it again. Why are we doing this podcast? Oh, I don't know. No, I'm kidding. Because <laughs> it's not for the money. <laughs> no, it's not for the money. Um, well... You know, you'd have to answer for yourself while you're doing it, but I'm... I can answer for myself. <laughs> I'm I'm passionate about teaching this material because I think that we have to understand history to understand what's happening today. You share, you, you need to know history, and I don't... Um, history is not taught. Uh, and even... Like, even if it was taught when you were in the third grade, how much do that do you remember? How much do you remember what you learned in high school, you know? And the Mm. events that are going on around you and that you're living in the midst of, whatever you were taught in the third grade or high school or even in college is colored by the time when you were there. Mm -hmm. Either what was going on in your own life that was distracting you from that or the attitudes, behaviors, philosophies of the people who were teaching you are shaped by their lifetime, which is only a little small perspective of history. Hmm. So here's your chance to get a look at all of it. And we're being upfront about our bias. We're, we're doing it through the eyes of faith. And I think another reason, like it came up in our last episode, that it's important for me to teach it is people don't 
realize how the Christian church was so involved in shaping Western civilization. Yeah. We hear that, but they don't, they don't, I didn't understand what that meant until I started investigating it. So we're beginning on down that, but on down that road, but it's also about more than just Western civilization. So we're trying to pull in some elements of that too, but. So to ask it a different way or to ask it for more of a, clear uh, clarification I'll ask I'll answer your question the reason I'm doing this podcast mm-hmm. is because I have fun doing it well, I'm glad and um, I do I I have fun doing it now scheduling sometimes can be a challenge but I have fun doing it uh, I enjoy spending time with you and with Wes and I enjoy kind of this experience of doing this together um, and I am doing it because I am educating myself on the history through the eyes of faith of what that is and i am learning a lot um so i'm doing it i mean like i made the joke i'm not doing it for money yeah that would be nice if this turned into some sort of uh career i mean it's not to me and it's not or even so, an additional income not necessarily a full yeah, fledged career not, but it, that's not a part of it for me uh that would be a bonus but not that i even am doing it to get to that it's mm-hmm. not a thing but ask you again what would you like to see happen by doing this podcast like you say you're passionate about sharing this because of what history has whether history has or has not been taught what people experience and people are not connected to the fact that history is connected to uh, what western civilization however you put it is connected to christianity thousands of years ago so I get that you have a desire to share that, mm-hmm. but what would you like to see happen when someone hears it? Are you hoping for some? I, I would be okay with. I'm not saying you shouldn't be, but are you hoping for some sort of uh, reaction to this that maybe changes the future? Well, I think every person that becomes aware of history and their history and then becomes intentional and live in their life in light of that is changing the future. So you're you're hoping for a change in so the future. So the future would be changed. I believe that that God is living out his story that we're we're elements in living out his story and that's an interaction between he and us as we listen and receive and and that's the eyes of faith part. And everybody's involved in that in some way or another. So the more aware they, the more we can think about the resources that we have from the past and what people have learned in the past and how that past shaped our present, the more wise we can be in the present as we shape the future. So, so there is a desire, and I'm not trying to pick this apart to make it bad or good. I just think that you have a lot of knowledge and you've done you've, you're passionate and you've done the research but what's driving that is a desire to affect change right yeah and to be faithful to who god's made me to be yeah which makes sense i think sense, that's both sense. of that i believe yeah. i believe by all all of us if we're faithful to who god has made us to be we will affect change yeah that's the nature of it right yeah. and so so I want to be faithful, and I love doing it, and I love hearing people's feedback on it and, and hearing about how people are receiving it 
And um, just like when you say, oh, that's really cool. I didn't know that. That makes me feel good to think, oh, we've learned something new, you know? And and so, yeah. I was, yeah, well, I, 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 I kind of made an assumption that that's kind of why you, what you're what's driving you um and this and and I was just thinking about it today as I was getting ready and I've listened to the last few episodes I'm just like why am I doing this or why are we doing this why is it a thing um we can explain what the content is mm-hmm. and we can explain tell people about hey I'm doing this podcast but the why are we doing it I don't think we've talked about that. Well, and also for me, it is fun. It's yeah. fun because it it goes to what I enjoy, you know, just like all of us when we're doing things that we enjoy or having fun. And so, yeah, it's well, and the learning fun. in the background is fun, too. It's a lot of work, but and and sometimes it gets stressful when you've got deadlines and you're trying to get things together. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of things that need to be done, but it's also yeah. or, or, you, you know, fun you just want to go sit on the deck and and grill out and, and not record you yeah. know sometimes it's chat. Yeah. <laughs> i don't you know i was just thinking about this being a weekend um when i'm not working on something like a task i feel guilty well that is therapy that's therapy session right there like even like yesterday yeah i know here we go. you're wanting to get down to even talk about it now you're like yeah by the way if you're if you're listening and you are a listener to this podcast. She turned her head and crossed her feet. Like, can we just not right now? <laughs> can we just not? Oh, it just made me think about uh, something else, a theological topic I was reading about and also discussing about rest. That's the other thing. I yeah. Mean, here so you we have are. to know how We're, to rest. And so if you don't know how to rest, that's therapy. That's another yeah, discussion. I've not slept well, I don't think, in years. Mm-hmm. I don't mean, I don't know what good sleep is. I'm sorry. And... Um, I started thinking about this as I was laying awake, like our bodies need rest. That's what science says. Biology says our bodies need rest. And so does the Bible. And so the Bible, okay, thank you for bringing that in. And so they've got these mattress manufacturers that go, Hey, here's a way that's going to really help you live a longer life and be healthier. And it's only $5,000 for the mattress, you know? So they get you with, the importance of it. Oh, we got your Nothing, moving, I'm just moving, moving it things. so I won't hit it. So I started thinking, aren't there scientists somewhere trying to figure out a way to, that we could have a pill or some sort of science that then negates the need to have rest? That's, it's not possible. We were created to I, have rest. You know, I, I can say that we were created to have rest, but that doesn't mean that humans... Aren't trying to, yeah, aren't trying to figure out to eliminate sleep. Yeah, well, I I think that that's pretty off. (laughs) I think that's a great, a great content for maybe a science fiction movie. We've now eliminated sleep, and here are the consequences. So think about how the whole world changes if you've eliminated sleep. We're not far from it, but anyway, okay, okay, all right. Thank you very much, folks. the history yeah. through the eyes of faith. This so was it's a fun. long. This was a long cold open. Long cold open. <laughs> for we're going to get into the show now. That sounds like a long cold winter's night. It was a long, long cold, cold open. open. <laughs> now we're getting into the real part of episode okay. forty-six. Can you remind us where we left off? 
We left talking. Did, I don't remember. By the way, if anybody's out there writing a screenplay now about eliminating sleep, that I need the credit for that. I just come up with that. Yeah. So we left. We talked about how Constantine had changed Rome, Jerusalem, Constantinople, about the merging of the church and the state and how that was affecting um, history. Yeah. I think that's where we left. Well, and that know, he wanted to win people over to the new faith in the midst of doing that. So, um, w- on a note on that as we get started on 46. So, the capital of the empire moves from Rome to Constantinople. And this will have importance for the rest of Christian history, as we will see, which is the strategic separation of East and West. And also the spread in the East the and the West. The strategic separation of East and West. Yeah. Oh, because of Rome and Constantinople. Yeah, and, 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 and that's going to play out in some very definite ways. But here's an important thing to remember. That city, Constantinople, that is now called Istanbul, it became Christian when it was Byzantium, right? Constantine moves the headquarters of the Roman Empire there and creates Christian buildings and calls it a Christian city, renames it Constantinople. It remained a Christian city and a defense. We talked about it was at a strategic place in geography in Europe, and it remained a Christian city until 1453. Constantinople. Yes. Until 1453. 1453. From 312 to 1453. And then it changed. Yeah, and we'll talk about that. By the way, I I guess I've been tasked at some point, due to our famous news article several episodes ago, that I add a little bit of pop culture to the podcast. Mm -hmm. The the group is called They Might Be Giants, and they recorded a song, Istanbul, not Constantinople, Istanbul, not Constantinople, so... There you go. A little shout out to They Might Be Giants. There you go. I think it's in the 90s that they did that song. So there you go. Just listening. Maybe we'll... Ah, we probably won't. Never mind. Okay. So strategic move. Right? Strategic move. Right. To move that, that, that establishing of the city of Constantinople, and then it's going to make a big... Well, even when you just mentioned the separation of East and West, I think... North America, and the East is Middle East, and maybe even Europe. I think that's East and West, in my mind. Yeah. But East and West is Turkey Is Europe and, and Asia. Yeah. It's, it's Europe and Asia, and even Northern Africa and Asia. Even today? Well, Would you say the Western world was No, Africa when people say this is the way, like I was just in a conversation where somebody says the perspective from the West, they're throwing the U.S. in with Europe. Really? Yeah. Western civilization is Europe and its, uh, <laughs> and its empire. Of course it is, Frank. The places. In eighth grade. The places that used to be, uh, what was the word? Colonies of, of European countries. Western civilization. I have Western civilization. Anyway, yes. Gosh, why, why has it taken me this many decades to connect what that means? I mean, I took Western Civ in high school and in college. It's because how much we think about it when we're in high school. But I didn't realize that I'm studying the West was Europe. Yeah. 
even though you were studying Europe. Even though the whole two semesters I'm studying Europe, I'm like, I don't know why they call this Western civilization, but whatever. Yeah. See, that's why we do it. Isn't it fun? They ain't got no cowboys in this. <laughs> ain't no cowboys here. Where's the gun? I need to know. I signed up for Western civilization. I thought there was a saloon somewhere. I signed up for the Western Civ. Y'all talking about the Middle Ages and whatnot. Where are we? When are we going to get to the Indians and the cowboys? Oh, hey, inappropriate name. That's not what they're called. They're, they're not called them. cowboys. They're not called Indians. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, uh, you're Indians. Okay. So to Constantine, remember, we've said this sentence before, but we're going to add a little bit. The best course was not to suppress Christianity, but to exploit its potential for unity, right? Yeah. That's what he's doing with all this. And so he called a council. Mm. Constantine called a council. Now, that right there is land breaking, land shaking. Land, History changing. Land breaking. Not a word. Not a word. That was just an Angie phrase. Anyway. <laughs> Groundbreaking <laughs> is thinks what she meant. But land is ground. So there we go. So there's where it came from. Yeah. Okay. So we're doing great. Anyway. So we're gonna break he called land. a council. <laughs> we're going to build a new building over here. We're going to break land. Okay. So. Um, he called a council. Now we're going to step back and talk a little bit about what's going on about this council. Okay. So here, Constantine. Is this going to be the answer to my question I asked like three episodes ago? Yes. Okay. Constantine is in Constantinople now, right? And news comes to him of trouble in Alexandria. Where is Alexandria? Uh, uh, it's named after Alexander the Great, and I guess it's in Egypt. It's in Egypt. Ooh. On the Mediterranean. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Between. Uh, I'll take Egypt for 200, <laughs> Alex. That was so that. That was so that. Okay, so news comes to Constantine of trouble in Alexandria between Alexander, Bishop of Alexandria, and and um, Arius. Remember Arius? Mm -hmm, we put because a pen they called Arian teaching. Yeah, we put we a pen in Arius two or three episodes ago, right? Mm -hmm. And his teaching heresy. was troubling because Jesus was not eternally divine. No, he was begot from God. Yeah, well, and begot is actually what he was. But anyway, we're going to talk about that in a minute. <laughs> like, I didn't understand. Like, when I went back and listened to that podcast, I'm like, that is not exactly, I'm not using the right words there. But anyway, so Arius' teachings were troubling because Jesus was not eternally divine. So word comes to Constantine that they're having trouble in Alexandria between the bishop of, of Alexandria, who happened to be named Alexander at the time. You know, we have different bishops, but this one happened to be Alexander, so that was easy to remember. And Arius also starts with an A, so we got all the A's happening mm -hmm. here, okay? Mm -hmm. um, and we're going to get another guy that starts with an A in here in just a minute. So... At the time, like it was a very public trouble. Like people, like the different factions were like yelling at each other in the streets, and they had like chants that that would make up. Like, like I guess we hear chants sometimes when we're seeing protests and stuff. Mm -hmm. I won't get into any current chants. The ones that popped into my mind, I will not say. Um, the so mm -hmm. their chant was, and I'll check this out. So. The ones, the folks that were fighting in the streets chanted, there, there was when he was not. There was when he was not. And who were they pro and, and. These were the, these were the Aryan. This was the Aryan chant. There was when he was not. 
What do you think that means? He was before them. This this was before him. Yeah. So he did. So remember how we talked about how in John it says in the beginning the word was with God and the word was God and the word became flesh. No, they're saying no. That things did exist before he existed. They're talking about Jesus? Yes. There was before he was? There was when he was not. Okay. Isn't that kind of interesting? There was when he was not. So anyway, kind of I thought that was a cool tidbit. Public back and forth fighting. And so Constantine calls a council because remember he wants to unify the church and he wants to mm-hmm. use the the unity of the church to help unify the empire. So he says the he calls the first universal council of the church. And he called for it to meet in the city of Nicaea, which is a, a village, not a very large city, south of Constantinople. And the reason that he wanted it to meet there was then if there got to be protests, it would be easier to control. It's a smaller city. Uh-huh. And so he invited the bishops from all over, all the bishops from Christianity. Although, anyway, another story tells me maybe not all the bishops, but... Uh, this author, all the bishops were invited to meet in Nicaea to solve this issue. Okay. Hmm. Then there's this other guy, Athanasius, another A, hmm. who was the assistant, a very young man at this time, who eventually becomes the bishop of, I believe, Alexandria later on, but he's the assistant to Alexander at this time. But he was a key defender of orthodoxy at this council. Okay. So orthodoxy being the standard. Remind me again, he's pulling them together to solve what problem? The The Aryan issue. The whole thing we had talked about back there, like, Mm -hmm. is Jesus fully man or fully God? And the Aryan people Yeah, and I asked the question, how do they decide this? Yeah, so we're going to get back into what that was, okay? Okay. And so their little chant was, there was Was, when he was not. Yeah. Okay? So this is called the Council of Nicaea, and it occurred in 325. A lot of things happening in the early 300s. They are, yes. The Edict of Milan was 312, 312 and 320-something, working on Sunday. Yeah, and that's just a little tiny example thing. That There was other things. It's important like, to me. Okay, glad. And then this one is. 325, the Council of Nicaea, big deal. So the results of the Council's deliberations were decisive in every way. Its mm. definition of Christ's divine nature set a course for Christian orthodoxy that has been maintained to the present. Wow. The council's rulings on administrative and procedural matters established precedents for the exercise of power in the church. Precedent. Precedents, yes. Precedents. Like p- plural. That's okay. what this says. I, I don't know. know. Maybe I typed it wrong. I would Is it agree. D-E-N-C-E? No, it's D-E-N-T-S, like more than one precedent. Precedent. I don't know. <laughs> the way the council defined the relationship of the Father and the Son had also had immediate relevance for church-state relationships in Constantine's new Roman Empire. So all of that, it was, it was very decisive and affected all the way up to today. And this is really interesting. Like, I didn't know till I took a deep dive into teaching this. I'd never heard this, like, in my early studying of Christian history, which was, or maybe I'd heard it and just didn't remember because that happens a lot, too. The, it was the emperor who called the council. So Constantine actually called the council. It wasn't a bishop that said, hey, let's all get together. It was the emperor so that right there is the state mm-hmm. stepping into the church, right? 
Yeah. Because it was the emperor himself who called the council, chaired its deliberations, and undertook to implement its directives, the church's history was decisively turned from its course as an alien, pilgrim, and even persecuted body to the potential benefits but also perils of establishment, the state support of religion. So I'm read that Say sentence that again. again. I'm gonna read the sentence again. Now, this is from the Turning Points book, and as you can tell, this is gonna be is that Mark Knoll? Uh huh. Another <sighs> turning point. Okay. Right. Mm-hmm. So he's telling why it's the a turning Council point. Council of Nicaea. Mm-hmm. And because it was the emperor himself who called the council, also chaired its deliberations, and also undertook to implement its directives. So after it was over. He made sure its directives were implemented. Because of that, the church's history was decisively turned from its course as an alien, pilgrim, and even persecuted body. So being an alien, pilgrim, and a persecuted body to the potential benefits, but also perils, benefits slash perils of establishment. Yeah. The state okay. support of religion. The doc- so that was a, that's a big deal. Mm-hmm. Um. Yes. Making a little edit here. The doctor It's almost like you you were oppressed and now you're over here, but now you're also gonna maybe have a target on your back because now you're in charge. Yeah. Something to keep chewing over. Do you remember that thing we talked about and I don't have it right in front of me, but how it's a few episodes back, how the purpose becomes captive to the organization? Yeah. Because that confused me when you said it over and over again. But now, do you see how it plays in here? Yeah. Because now there's more at stake. Because who else is that going to affect? What's that going to say about Rome? Or what's it, you know, like all that? We'll, we'll see the questions as they come. But Constantine stepping up and calling that council, it's, it's a mark of huge change. The doctrinal issue at Nicaea was absolutely critical because it centered not only on who Jesus was in his person, but also on who Jesus was in his work as Savior. Arius relied heavily on logical reasoning. Remember, we talked about that when we brought him up. Mm-hmm. Arius maximized whatever he could find that suggested differences between the Father and the Son. So he was looking for anything that he could suggest differences and reason logically between the Father and the Son. Eris's appeal to what he considered the logic of monotheism, meaning one God. No right? trinity. There's no trinity, one God, and the, the Son was born of the God, did not exist with God illustrates a recurring tendency. So Aries's appeal to what he considered the logic of monotheism, one God, illustrates a recurring tendency throughout Christian history to subject the facts of divine revelation to current conceptions of the reasonable. Now, I have that in bold. I assumed you did. That is the first time that we're saying this. Okay. But it's something we will talk about from here on out. So by the fact, I'm going to reword it in my words. Because Arius was appealing to logic and was saying, logic is what is most important here. What makes sense? How can we reason the answer to this question? 
It illustrates a tendency that recurs throughout Christian history, our history, and our daily lives, Christian or not Christian, to subject the facts of divine revelation. Now, what would be the facts of divine revelation? Not what are the particular facts, but where do they come from? Where do we find the facts of divine revelation? Yeah, I don't know how to answer the question. In the creed. Okay. Because we creed believe or... the creed, the Bible, is God's revealed word. Okay? Mm-hmm. So there's, there's things that we discover to be true, like in science, and there's things that are revealed to be true. Okay. And that's what the eyes of faith, the faithful, the followers of Jesus, see in God's word. Okay. okay, or at least Protestant followers of Jesus. But to subject those facts to current conceptions of the reasonable. Yeah. So we're going to subject those facts. to Well, that can't be true because it doesn't make sense. I was about to say the same thing. The phrase that doesn't make sense. Yeah, which is a very modern phrase. But Arius is introducing it here early on in the 300s of saying... Well, logically, how do we explain this? And this doesn't, I can't logically understand how the father and one, father and son can be one. So therefore, that can't be the case. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. So just find that really. But he got, out, he got outnumbered with the council. They said, no, but this well, is. Well, here's the- where it's going to go. It wasn't quite that simple. So the possible options of how to answer that question are, first one would be that the father created the son, which is Arianism. That's what he said. You know, how can... Another option is that there's two gods. God is one God and Jesus is another God. The father's one God, the son's another God. But in the Old Testament, one of the big points of the Old Testament, the major first commandment, there's one God. Yeah. Okay. So that's not reasonable. And then another answer is a thing called modalism, which says that one God and the Father and Son are just different names of the one God. Okay. Okay. So the Father and Son are just, there's one God, but Father and Son are just different names. They're the same person. Protect, I mean, the same thing. It protected the oneness of God, but not the distinction between the Father and the Son, because we find places where the Father's praying. I mean, the Son's praying to the Father and yeah. all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So Athanasius, bishops, uh, who was the assistant to the Bishop of Alexandria, who argued the other side, did not consider Arius's arguments as philosophical curiosities. He'd views, he viewed them as daggers aimed at the very heart of the Christian message. He was like, this is not just sit around talking philosophy. This is a big deal. Okay? If Christ were not truly God, then he could not bestow life upon the repentant and free them from sin and death, which is the essence of the Christian gospel. Right, right. So if he wasn't truly God, then he couldn't do that. Yet this work of salvation is at the heart of the biblical picture of Christ, and it has anchored the church's life since the beginning. Okay? So this is interesting. Multitudes of ordinary believers at the time that this was all happening intuitively opposed were oppo- were intuitively opposed to the Arian position. Like they didn't have to think about it that much. Prayer in the church had always ascended to God in the name of Christ. Too. So much so that to separate the Son from the Father seemed to sever the chance for humans to communicate with the divine. They understood that Jesus was 
the priest. Jesus was the mm-hmm. the interceder for them, and that you went to the Father through Christ, and they intuitively understood that. Baptism in the church had always used the Trinitarian formula in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, just like Jesus had taught them to do. Hymns in the church regularly praised Jesus as the Savior, who, as from God and of God, restored fallen humanity to God. In short, the day-to-day life of the church, common sense of ordinary believers, rebelled against Arius's proposals. Yeah. So there seemed to be this intuitive sense in being in the day-to-day life in the church, being in the Bible practice and in that community, that they couldn't separate that way, that that didn't make sense to them. So their mm-hmm. common sense was different. So the bishops who met at Nicaea were not all of one mind. They weren't in agreement, either on the seriousness of the Arian threat or on the best way to answer it. But their declaration of first principles eventually, after a struggle lasting for most of the rest of the fourth century, wow. became a bedrock for Christian life and theology. So here's kind of the short story of that. We're going to go on talking about the Council of Nicaea, but what happened was they came to a conclusion, and we'll talk about that, but then there was still a lot of pushback, and it wasn't until another council later in that fourth century that it was settled, final, and done. Yeah. Okay? But by the time the fourth century's over, it is settled. So, so how can we express that the Father and the Son are both divine yet distinct? So they came up with a word that, a Greek word that I'm not, I didn't write down here, that means same substance in English. So they came up with this concept and a word that means same sub- same substance to describe the Father and the Son, that they're made of the same substance. When Constantine, Constantine heard that both Alexander and Athanasius liked the word and liked that answer, then he rallied around it. We don't know what the word is. It's like, um, I'll, I'll look it up, homo, uh, probably not a good place to stop when you come up with the word, just start with homo, probably not. <laughs> it means man. Home, homos, hmm, <clears throat> I can't pronounce it. H-O-M-O-O-U-S-I-O-N. Homoustion. I wish that none of these places have a a phonetic pronouncing of it. Of the same essence, same in essence, same in substance, same in being. Homoustion. Homoustion. Homoustios. Of the same, H-O... This one spells it different, and I would trust this source better. H-O-M-O-O-U-S-I-O-S, of the same substance. H-O-M-O-O-U-S-I-O-S. So you can throw that in your uh, little pronunciation thing and have Siri or whoever talks to you tell you how to... We don't say Siri in this house. Okay. How to... uh... Oh. There we go. She's got her headphones. What was it? Homoousius. 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 Of the same substance. Okay, so there you go. So, um, was that just in the headphones? Or is that going to be on the podcast? 
Yeah. Homoousius. <laughs> he could Which, drop by the way, that's how it sounded in our headphones. He could drop homoousius. <laughs> he could drop it down in there. Okay, anyway, so when Constantine heard that Alexander and Arius were on board with that, he said, okay, we're going with this, mm-hmm. and wrote it in there, and rallied around it, and then told everybody, sign the creed or you get exiled. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So that was the orthodox answer. But they still weren't defining one before the other. They were just saying they're both of the same No, that is the answer, that they're not one before the other. It's they're of the same substance. Okay. They're one person. One, yes. We're going to read the creed in just a minute, and you can hear it. Okay? Okay. So the council's key assertions were as follows. Christ was true God from true God. Christ was consubstantial of one substance. With the Father. Or homoousius. Homoousius. Christ was consubstantial of one substance with the Father. Christ was begotten, not made. Christ became human for us humans and for our salvation. So Christ was true God from true God. Christ was consubstantial of one substance with the Father. Christ was begotten, not made. Christ became human for us humans and for our salvation. Okay, mm-hmm. and that was the so. Would you like to hear the creed? Have you ever, do you ever remember reciting the Nicene Creed? Nicene we, we, Creed. We did the Apostles' Creed. Yeah, but I mean in church, it was in our hymnal, and occasionally well, I'm sure we did. On and occasionally yeah. we would go to it. Okay, and occasionally we do that. Nicene but you're gonna, Creed. But you will hear a lot. So it's really an adding on of the Apostles to the Apostles' Creed to. Flesh out that issue of same substance. Okay. To define the homoousius. Consubstantial. Okay. So the Nicene Creed reads, We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all that is all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made for us men and for our salvation. He came down from heaven. By the power of the Holy Spirit, he became incarnate of the Virgin Mary and was made man. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day, he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son. So that's putting Mm -hmm. him in there together. With the Father and the Son, he is worshiped and glorified. Three in one. He has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. I remember that. Do you? The thing about one true God. God from God, all that in there. Yeah. So now you see why it was important to say that, right? hmm So the Nicene Creed has remained for nearly 17 centuries a secure foundation for the church's theology, worship, and prayer. Wow. Not only does it succinctly summarize the facts of biblical revelation, but it also stands as a bulwark against the persistent human tendency to prefer logical deductions concerning what God must be like and how he must act 
to the lived realities of God's disclosure. What is that from that you just read? Turning points. Okay. So I'm going to say Council of Nicaea. I'm, I'm going to say that again because uh, that's really important. Not only does it succinctly summarize the facts of biblical revelation, revealed truth, but it also stands as a bulwark against the persistent human tendency, persistent human tendency, we -hmm. are always persisting, to prefer logical deductions concerning what God must be like and how he must act to the lived realities of God's self-disclosure, to the lived realities of God's self-disclosure. And it powerfully restates the realities of Christ's divine nature, his incarnation as a human being, and the work of salvation he accomplishes for his people. Say that again about the consistent disclosure. What was it? Something disclosure? The The tendency, human tendency to prefer logical deductions concerning what God must be like Mm -hmm. and how he must act Mm -hmm. to the lived realities of God's self-disclosure. The lived realities of God's self-disclosure, which to me means having a relationship with him and him revealing himself to you. In cons- consistent, in a consistent matter with his revealed truth in the word. Yeah, the right? lived realities of his self-disclosure. Yeah, I think I think so often conversations that we're in and denominations, groups, churches that are like, well, that doesn't make sense, or this needs to happen because that's more logical, or this is like, mm-hmm. so it's like, ultimately, what's the authority? What's the authority? the word logic or you know i mean that's the question you ask yourself and and i don't know about folks who are listening to this but i've experienced a lot of this in relationships in my life with people today right now that are in some level believe in a heresy mm-hmm. you know um so it's very it's a, it is a turning point this council and creed represents the critical choice by the church for the wisdom of god in preference to human wisdom yeah the critical choice by the church for the wisdom of god in preference to human wisdom so and constantine organized the council he, he called it yeah he, he called, called it. it he also like chaired it, it chaired it he also then he implemented it and he was the emperor yeah, and so now we have this thing. So um, here, uh, I don't, I don't know how much more we want to. I've got a few more things on that, but do we want to talk about the gift bags? Yeah, we can do that. One other thing, I just want to throw out: the council did other things that were more minor, and like setting up some processes for bishops succeeding bishops in places Mm -hmm. and things like that. But one of the things that it did that kind of relates to something we've talked about before was it set the date for Easter. Oh, wow. So they were, do you know how we know when Easter is? It's something to do with the moon? Yeah, we still do it today. It's the first Sunday after the first full moon after the spring equinox. Hmm. So the spring equinox is usually around March 2021. And so it's going to be the first Sunday after the first full moon after March 20. Sometimes the, I think sometimes the equinox falls on the 20. Sometimes it falls on the 21st. I don't know if it ever falls on the 22nd, maybe. But it's the first Sunday after the first full moon after the spring equinox every year. 
And that was set at the Council of Nicaea back in 325. Yeah, so gift bags. So is our, is, our, is our big, is the primary point of episode 45 the Council of Nicaea? I think Not so. That what, that's bad. I what just were we talking sure. about at the beginning? <laughs> uh, yeah, probably that is. Yeah, oh yeah, for sure. That's the yeah. the primary thing, and and not just what it did doctrinally, but also the way it was a foundational moment in that relationship between church and state. Foundational moments, a good way to think about it. Well, I've got something that I will share on the next episode about spring equinox. How's that? Well, that's fine. You want to share it now? Yeah, I'll share it now. I follow Nashville, Tennessee on uh, social media. Wow. Yeah. Because that's where we live. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the metro area. And they talked about, you just talked about spring and... And uh, when we set when we celebrate Easter, but this came out um, this morning or today. Tennessee actually has twelve seasons. You want to hear them? Yeah, they're going to make me laugh, aren't they? Well, I I think they're ac- I think they're very accurate. Okay, I give whoever wrote this a lot of credit. Okay, you listen, producer West. Tennessee actually has twelve seasons: winter, fool's winter. Second winter, spring of deception, third winter, the pollening, actual spring, summer, hell's front porch, <laughs> false fall, second summer, actual fall. That is very good. And so where are we now? I know we where are we're in the spring of deception. No. That's what it says right here. It says you are here. I think we're um, in the third winter. We're about to get into it. Well, it's very cold right now. Yeah, well, see, we just got through the spring of deception. We're into the third winter, and then it'll be the pollening. Pollening. Yeah, yeah when we get back from our trip shortly after that, the pollening will begin. And then actual spring. And then it will be actual spring. And then spring. summer. And then summer goes into Hell's Front Porch. <laughs> yep. False fall. Yep. That. Second summer. <laughs> yep. Which is usually Halloween. Right. <laughs> I remember getting Halloween costumes like, gosh, it's hot. <laughs> And then actual fall, which is like November the 10th. <laughs> no, sometimes it's November the 20th. Yeah. It's, I thought this was awesome. <laughs> it's so awesome. And then keep going. What happens after that again? Winter. Winter. Uh-huh. And then fool's Fools. spring, oh. which is like in January, February when it's like really warm and we're like, what's going on? Yeah. And then second winter. Yeah. Then spring of deception, which was like last week and it was in the 60s, yeah. 70s, and now we're in the third winter. Yeah. And, and then we're going to have the pollening. <laughs> the pollening. <laughs> it's so true, y'all. You can't open your windows. We used to like, oh, the, the spring winds are here. <laughs> and yeah. then I walk in my office and everything is yellow. Everything. Every book. Yeah. The computer. <laughs> the printer. Everything, yeah, because yeah. we live on a hill, and the wind came, and it was the pollening. That we should make a movie. The pollening. <laughs> there probably like, is one already, but I thought saw that and I was like, oh gosh, that's good. Oh yeah, for sure. Because we never know. Well, I think you know we can save the gift bags for the next episode. There are two red gift bags. We want to leave a cliffhanger, like something that give me a clue. Um, I'm assuming they are for producer Wes and me. They're not. 
They're not. Okay. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> They're for the studio. They're for the studio. Okay. Uh, those are <laughs> did you very say, small did you to say be Mike's interesting st- answer. New stands. New stands. They're very small no, to be Mike's stands. They are. They're very small to be Mike's. Yeah. <laughs> oh, they could be one of those cool mics like Wes let me use at the um when I did my presentation at the church. Y'all had this little lapel mic that was like it was just a little little like a straight pin. I mean, it was that small on a little yeah. pad like they put on you when you're going to get an EKG. <laughs> Yeah, he got a lot of information from you that day. He was running all kind of reports. No, that's not funny. I told him to turn it off. Yeah. Um, <laughs> folks, that was episode 46, and that was fun, and I uh, hope you enjoyed it. The Council of Nicaea and the Homoousius <laughs> is a Homoousius. And watch out for the pollening. The pollening. All right, we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to History Through the Eyes of Faith podcast, brought to you by One Thing Only. For more information and related content, head over to onethingonly.org and click on History Through the Eyes of Faith podcast. There you will find related content, as well as a way to ask questions and make comments. We want to hear from you. You can find us on all your streaming podcast platforms. Please rate and review. Thanks again.